0: had some adventures, everybody's had a few close calls, everybody's got a story, what's yours?
1: Hello friends and welcome to episode 19 of Cool Story with David J. McNeil. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your support. This episode features a chat with my good friend and former TVO Kids colleague, Giselle Carinthios. For over 20 years, Giselle has been a fixture on the Canadian public broadcasting landscape as a children's television host, both on the weekday Nook and then eventually as the host of her own eponymously named show, Giselle's Big Backyard, where she helped raise a generation of kids. Today, Giselle is navigating the uncharted waters of being the host of her own YouTube channel called the Giselle Mishmash, where she's entertaining a brand new generation of children. We talked about her many years working in television, as well as all of the new opportunities and challenges of finding an audience on the internet. But why do we just jump into it? Here's my chat with Giselle Carinthios. Hello, Giselle. How you doing?
2: I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. I'm uh, I'm so happy to have you on the show. You are the second person who's been on the podcast who was part of the whole TBO Kids phenomenon. The first person yeah. who was on the podcast was my first guest, my good buddy uh, Joe Motiki, who you know as well.
2: Yeah, my, my good buddy too. <laughs> yeah,
1: nice to have you on the show. How are you?
2: I'm good. Yeah, it's right now. It's all good. I'm just hoping that we don't go into shutdown mode again. Yeah, you know, that's always yeah. challenging. So. Um, Especially if you're a parent, right?
1: I mean, you've got, you've got three kids. Did you get to a point where you were having to homeschool your kids and
0: pursue your career?
2: Yeah. So it's just so funny. Like when, um, I was, I decided to do a YouTube channel, like, well, I was considering it for a long time and I was shooting things, uh, with the intention of, launching a YouTube channel. And then when uh COVID hit, that's when I decided to launch it. Everybody was saying, this is a good time to start the show. You should launch your show. Kids would benefit from your show. They're at home. Parents need a show like yours. This is the time. And so I launched it. And like everybody else, you know, our kids were at home and doing homeschooling. And so we were in that mode of how we can all work together in the home. And, uh, Mm. you know, we got through it, but it was tough. And so Right now, I feel like we might be going into another one of those shutdowns. Yeah. The feeling I get, and so um I'm right now. I'm trying to prepare for that by shooting a lot of material and to get through the holidays. Right, mm-hmm. because regardless if there's another shutdown, we're all going to be at home together for a duration of time, and I won't have the same freedom to be able to write content and shoot. So I'm right now in a really big uh, crunch of shooting a lot. So. Mm-hmm.
1: You've been a children's host, and you've worked with children for uh, a long time now. So I'm sure you have a good appreciation of uh, how important uh, teachers are and good teachers. Um, I know so many people these days that have got kids at home, and during the shutdown, they had homeschool, and that's probably been the resounding uh, messages how how hard it is to to teach.
2: Yeah, and I can't. I think the hardest would be imagine if you're a parent who's a teacher. I can't even imagine. I have a few friends. Who are teachers and they have kids, young kids at home, and they've really struggled. But it's incredible what they've been able to do. Right? They've got really tough
0: jobs.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, well, let's talk about um, about the work that you've been doing. I met you back in uh, what, what year was it that you started at working on the Nook?
2: Nineteen ninety eight.
1: 1998. That's right. So uh, refresh my memory. Basically what happened was uh, Rekha Shah, who had been the host of the Nook for quite a few years, that she decided that she was going to move on to other things and then they they were looking to replace her. Is that how that
2: worked? No, no. It's been a while. No, that's okay. So there was an afternoon show called The Crawl Space. And then, uh, so then on weekends, there was something called the nook
0: yeah
2: and that became the it was on weekend so there was the weekend nook and then they were looking for a weekday morning preschool host ah. it was a brand new block and they were looking for a host producer for the preschool morning block that would air on weekday mornings between the cartoons there would be these interstitials and they were looking for a host for that and somebody to produce the content and so Recca was on The weekends, it was called, it was the Nook and it was Mm -hmm. on weekends. And then the preschool morning show block during the weekdays would be called the weekday nook right. and then in the afternoons was the older audience and uh that was hosted by patty and joe
1: right the crawl space.
2: the time in the crawl space. yeah mm-hmm. and uh and when they were looking for this preschool host producer they had tvo had put an ad in the paper for anybody to send in a vhs tape a two-minute tape and then if they liked what they saw they would then call you in for an audition. Yeah. And so that's what I did. I sent in a two minute VHS tape and then I started getting called into several auditions and I believe they received, I was told later 2000 tapes or around that. And they watched every single one anyway. And then they started to cut down their numbers on who they were interested in. And so I started doing these auditions and, uh, And then I I learned later on that they were actually going to hire somebody else for the job. (laughs) And uh, they found that I was just too um, energetic. I was Mm -hmm. told (laughs) that they thought I would suit the afternoon show better, that I was very, um, uh, you know, I guess, hyper for a preschool show. And I think, (laughs) you know, they were said they were really looking for somebody calmer. And I think I'm guessing somebody not with this voice, like somebody <laughs> being songy and, you know, very calm. And, you know, a lot of the preschool hosts are like that. And yeah. uh, so, um, so I could understand if that was a decision, Dave. Like, <laughs>
0: right. I, but
2: anyway, so, so, they, so they were going to hire this other person and it had gone all the way up to the top at TVO. It mm-hmm. was approved. And then what happened was the executive producer at that time, Kim Wilson, who you know, anyway, so she had taken these tapes home that night and looked at them again, this other young woman and myself. And then she watched my tape again, and she said that that was it. She said her decision just completely changed, and there was no turning back. And she went back the next day. They were actually going to call this other person that day, but then instead she went right up to the top and then she got approvals for me.
0: Wow, <laughs> so, that's an interesting yeah. So,
2: yeah, I mean, I learned that way later on from a couple of my producers at tv i guess over time they decided to let me know (laughs) that yeah i was lucky (laughs) (laughs) i was lucky but uh yeah so
1: so what did you when you sent in when you sent in your 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 reel your two minute reel on vhs what was it something that you just shot on the spot or was it stuff that you had worked on before like did did you did you have any on-camera experience before you did the show no
2: not at all funny no i came from a theater background. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that appealed to me most about doing a preschool show is because you could play these bigger than life characters. And it was just a dream. Yeah. So I had studied theater in Montreal. I was right. uh, raised in Montreal. And what school so did you go to I- in Montreal. I went to Dawson College, okay. CJEP, and they have yeah. the Dome Theater program there. And so that's where I had studied. And um, yeah, so so I hadn't done any television, but I did move to Toronto to be an actor. Mm-hmm. And I did do auditions. Not a lot. I don't think my agent was pushing me out, yeah, on a lot as many auditions as she should have, truthfully. But anyway, so at that time, so um, uh, I never had booked TV auditions. And then with this, what happened was, yeah, I had to send in. They wanted a VHS tape showing like a two-minute video to show how you know what makes you what like why would we hire you basically? Mm-hmm. What uh, like show us your talents and how you would connect with kids. Mm-hmm. And so. It's kind of funny because at the time, I when this ad was put in the paper, uh, I was in France. <laughs> I was there visiting my dad, who's a prof, and he was teaching at uh, uh, the University of Nice. So he was there. And so I was there for... Uh, you know, several weeks. And my boyfriend at the time had told me about this ad in the paper. And uh, then my boyfriend was coming over to France to to see me, to stay with me while we were there with my dad. And so we had borrowed camera uh, one of these the pal you know the pal version of these big video cameras right yeah yeah and so we borrowed it from an old friend of mine because i lived in france for a year when i was a kid and so this mm. old friend of mine lent us this camera and then we were trying to shoot this audition and um is funny because i remember the first kid that i spoke to i i heard it somebody speaking english because i wanted it to be in english now of course yeah. I'm in france right so we were in Cannes, and then in this, you know, a lot of tourists in the area that we were in. And I heard this child speaking English, a three-year-old girl. And so I went up to the parents and I asked, can I, you know, ask a few questions to your daughter um, before this audition that I have. And uh, I started speaking to the little girl and she started wailing. Like she just <laughs> started
0: <laughs> Work bawling with me, kid. Out.
2: Yeah, bawling eyes out. And I thought, oh my <laughs> gosh, this is not what I want <laughs> to be sending in. So Then you know we tried several things. We were spending like a day just you know trying different ideas, and then I remembered that when I lived in France as a kid, I used to draw on rocks at the beach. My dad would always take you know these rocks and turn them into into these shapes, like if into these pieces of art. Like if Mm -hmm. he found a rock, he might color it with a pen and turn it into somebody's face, like a a whole head of a (laughs) whatever made out of rock, and so we were sitting on this rocky beach in Nice. And then I thought, oh, why don't I just color on rocks? And so that's what I started doing is coloring these little rock faces. And the funny thing is there was, it was like late in the day. It was at the end of the day, maybe around five o'clock. Nobody's really on, really on the beach when we're doing shooting this. And then there was a little playground, uh, nearby, uh, like at a private beach. And so there was, there was like a little playground set up and these little kids were so interested. I was not far away. They were going to be in the background yeah. and they came over and then they wanted to see what I was doing. And so they got really involved in coloring with me. And then mm-hmm. So that became my audition piece as I was sitting with these kids and I'm coloring on, coloring on rocks. What I learned later, it wasn't so much what I was doing. They just wanted to see your delivery to the camera, how you spoke to the camera. You know, yeah. what, what's your personality like? And I was told that yeah, that's what won them over in the end was my personality. Yeah. And my lovely voice. I'm yeah. <laughs> just kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do you not like your voice?
2: oh my gosh, <laughs> do I not like it? Well, you know what? No, I don't like my, my voice. <laughs> it's
1: yeah, but it's been, you know, it's been part of your, it's been part of what's, what's yeah. taking you along this journey, right?
2: Yeah, so I appreciate it now. It's just funny, you know, it's just funny because, right, I've never liked my voice. And then, um, yeah, but I guess it works, so it's fine. And I'm learning that, you know that my voice is such a huge part of me that like I get my voice gets recognized I can't even understand it because I don't know if I hear it the same way as other people hear it but anyway but I'm learning that yeah that it's so distinctive I guess that yeah. people well, that's a people
1: that's a that's a, it's it's your part of your brand right
2: yeah, yeah, it's funny. Like we use, I, that, say,
1: we use that term a lot these days, brand, but it's part of your personality, yeah. your persona, and what's what's uh, taken you this far as a as an entertainer. Let yeah. me ask you more about that. Belinda, my wife, was uh, she sent out a questionnaire to uh, some friends and family members the other day, um, based on something that she had read, trying to find out from people, you know, how did they view her? You know, we all have an idea of how we are viewed. But we don't right. really have an idea as to how other people view us unless we ask them or unless they offer it. And so she sent out a note to some friends and family members and said, can you tell me what you think my secret sauce is? So mm. you've, been, you've been working for, for, what, about 20 years in the business and TV as an entertainer of children. And do you know what your secret sauce is? Do you know what it is that makes you, you know, an enjoyable person to watch on TV for kids? Mm-hmm.
2: Some people do tell me things, so I don't know. So I'm going to go with what other people have told me. Yeah. But at the same time, it's also what I feel. It's like I've been told that, you know, I'm very genuine and that you could feel that I love the kids. And so i say there's that is huge, right? That's why I continue to do it because I just love it. I love feeling connected to the kids. I think also, you know... I show them that it's okay not to be perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just the other day I had uh, aired something where, you know, I'm carrying fruit and I keep dropping the fruit. It was an accident, but yeah. I'm just like, oh, story, little banana or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um,
2: so I'd say there's that. And yeah, like my voice, I guess, uh, also shows them that I'm not perfect, I guess, right? Like when it comes to singing. When I was in theater school, I had to sing in front of the class and I just couldn't do it for the longest time. Finally, when I sang in front of my class, uh, my knees were knocking and I couldn't believe it. My knees were actually, you hear about knocking knees, but they were physically knocking. I could feel them knocking. And so that's how much singing intimidates me. And then lo and behold, over time, having done TVO Kids for so many years, you know, I've only received positivity about my singing. Not that it it sounds pretty, but that it's fun, that I'm having fun and that's what I want to show kids. It's like, just have fun. Don't be perfect. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, and I've watched, you know, I was watching some of your uh, videos, uh, both some of the stuff that you've been doing for uh, Giselle Mishmash, uh, your YouTube uh, show that you launched not long ago. And then some, and then a lot of the videos that you, um, that are on YouTube that you can check out, the uh, work that you had done before on uh, Giselle's Big Backyard. And uh, yeah, th- those, those, those music videos and those performances are great. They're fun. And, and you know what yes. the thing is, too, about that? I remember doing this in an acting class where I had to sing a medley from um, uh, Ewan McGregor's medley from uh, Moulin Rouge. Oh, right? yeah. You know, it's got a Queen song in there. There's just all these iconic songs. And you yes. know, sing and dance and do this medley. And I was wow. so intimidated. But when I did it, like, if you go for it, people just appreciate watching people who go for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you don't have to be pitch perfect, but people are so, the average person is so, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people are fearful of, of public presentations and even performers are. I think that's something that people don't realize that even people who work on camera are often fearful of interviews and public, you know, this kind of stuff.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, um,
1: But like but, but audiences <laughs> appreciate it when you go for it, right?
2: Right. You know,
1: right. and they see that. You know, and you don't yeah. have to have the best voice in the world, but if you go for it and you put all that energy in there and you you just grab it and go for it, audiences see that and they they and they respond. I think.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, I think so too. Oh, definitely, kids do right? for sure.
1: Yeah, because kids aren't right? judging.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's why it's the perfect audience, right?
1: Talking about secret sauce. Here's one thing I notice about you, and it w- and it was from the get-go when I met you, and that is that like. We could be in a conversation, you know, you, myself, the two of us, or with other people or whatever, and somebody will bring something up and you will be genuinely, wow, that's like excited and engaged and stuff like that in a way that maybe some other people aren't. Like, I think you have a bit of a childlike wonder about you.
2: Interesting. <laughs>
1: Right. I, I always feel like your reactions are bigger than most people's reactions, you know, which is definitely a good attribute to have if you're going to be a presenter in in, in, in any case on television, but especially if you're dealing with kids.
2: Right? With a young audience. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I guess they do. I know I ask a lot of questions. I'm very interested in people. And, yeah. You know, it's funny. I was so I get very nervous for interviews. So far, this is fine. <laughs> uh, but. Because I, I sometimes, like, I see, I'm doing it right now. I have so much to say, and I, get, I do get very excited, and I feel like I sometimes just have to take it down a notch so that I can be more relatable. <laughs> it's so crazy. <laughs> 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 so I'm happy to hear you see it in a really positive way. You, sh- you just turn that around, and I like it, Dave. <laughs> well,
1: yeah, like I said before, I'm, I mean, you... You know, if it wasn't, if, if what you were doing wasn't working, we wouldn't be talking about, you know, a 20 year plus career and you're, you're you know, you're just getting going on your new project. You started at uh, a TVO Kids, you worked on the, the first show, which was the weekday nook. And then at some point they decided to switch gears and turn it into Giselle's backyard, big backyard. And then that became, well, when your name is attached to it, that's a pretty big deal, right?
2: That's why I went with the Giselle mishmash later. I thought I should just keep my name in there. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: But when you made that transition to being, you know, the host of The Nook, to essentially having your own show and it being branded with your name in it. And you could tell too, then they really put more money into it and all that. And, you you know, virtual sets and all that kind of stuff. That's pretty cool. Um, Which brings me to uh, some questions about that era. Uh, a little bit later, we'll get to talking about what you're doing now with the new show uh Giselle mishmash, but uh the, Giselle's big backyard I was looking at some video the other day. The cool thing about working for a broadcaster is that they they you got you have a lot of people working with you um uh, which is the difference you know between creating your own show and then everything's up to you. but you work on a team and they come up with an idea, and then you know you 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 spitball stuff and you're like, oh in this episode we're gonna have You know, I was talking to uh, my friend uh, Maureen, who is a producer. She was on the last podcast and she was talking about working on Big Brother Canada. And uh, she she got hired to do the challenges. If you watch Big Brother, they have all those challenges like they have on Survivor. And and so she'd come up with these ideas and one was like, oh, uh, I like the idea of coming up with, uh, you know, all the people who lived in the Big Brother house dressed as bees. So we put them in giant bee costumes. You know, it's fun to talk about that and then work on a team where you get creative people who go away and they come back with the costumes and and, and Mm -hmm. the sets and the props. And you're just like, wow, you know, like this thing that that I'm going to do today that I wrote is really going to pop because now, you know, we've got all these really other cool, talented people working on it. And so, uh, you know, that's a pretty neat thing. And then on top of that too, you know, they're like, well, we're going to go out and get guests come in and be on your show. And whether it's musicians or whether it's uh, other educators or whatever. Um, So I was watching your videos the other day and I was like, oh, this is the coolest thing. I came across a video of you uh, with uh, the Strombellas who I've seen in concert many times and I think are <laughs> fantastic. So I was like that's so cool, but that, that's that's part of the, the great thing about having a show like this is you get to have guests. So. Yeah. And so who are, who are some of the people that you got to work with over the years that, that you really enjoyed and appreciated?
2: Yeah, the Strombellas were amazing because how cool is it to have live music mm-hmm. right there in your studio and have them play and they were a lot of fun. They were great energy and just really nice people. And another great one that comes to mind is the wiggles yeah. that those uh they came on in their early days when they were just starting off and tvo was the first uh broadcaster in north america to air their show so it was a very big deal to have them with us and and what was cool about that is that i actually shot a music video with them so even That even made it more awesome. and We worked yeah, together amazing. several times. We did a um, stage show. I worked with them on a stage show. And also they, we did other stuff in the Nook uh, together. Uh, another really cool guest was David Suzuki. I found it very intimidating to be around him. But, yeah. but that was really cool just to have David Suzuki on there. There was Steve from Blues Clues, Sarah Harmer. Nice. Yeah, there were some great guests that we had. On TVO Kids, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: and so, uh, is that something that you're going to be doing with Giselle Mishmash? Is uh, how people yeah. come by your house and 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 uh, guest star in, on on the set in your and house?
2: Would love to have guests come here post COVID. Yeah, well, there's having, that, right? <laughs> yeah. So far, I've only interviewed a few kids i've had a few kids you know outside in the summer i've done a few interviews but i absolutely would love to have guests with me a few musicians have asked if they can perform on my show and um that would be really cool it's a very small set but i feel like we can do it in the giselle mishmash because the nook back in those early days
1: it was tiny
2: It was tiny. And also to go back to what you were saying before, you were saying about having a big crew of people who do all the, you know, who help to produce the show, a big team, right? Well, our team was always very small. We were always, uh, I think, four to five people max, five, I'd say we're max on our team. And uh, back in the very early days of the Nook, it was very much like YouTube because we actually made our own props myself and uh, Marie McCann, who is the director producer of the show. So we actually, it was just the two of us, and we were finding our own props. These are very early early days before it was unionized, right? Yeah. And so when we needed props, I would bring often, you know, if I needed a stuffed animal, I'd bring it from home. <laughs> like, sure I, yeah. I remember actually, I once had this little elephant that I brought from home, and then I got a letter from a viewer, and they Asked me where they I got the elephant from, which was my own personal elephant, and they said because their son. I still have this letter, and they said their son had had the same elephant and that he lost it. <laughs> they weren't accusing me of taking it. Don't
0: worry. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, so they wanted to replace it because it was it was so meaningful to him. You know, mm, when true. a child loses, loses their little stuffed animal, it's like their best friend, right? So they asked me where they can purchase one if i had any idea and i thought well this is my own stuffed animal anyway so i sent him my elephant they were over the moon they sent me a check of course i didn't cash it but, <laughs> um yeah it was it's uh, funny back in those days we would provide a lot of our own props if i needed a rainbow i would mm-hmm. color you make know yourself, the rainbow yeah. and yeah. we'd make our own props so and i did my own hair back then i did my own makeup So Marie McCann, who was my director producer, we laugh about this when I told her I was having going to have a YouTube channel. We have a good laugh because like, Whoa, this is bringing back to the nook because it really was like YouTube in many ways. So, so in that sense, this is familiar to me in some ways, but there were other team members, you know, of course, whereas this is, and I still, you know, I'm alone for most of the time, but I do have an educational consultant, Stacy Golden, and she overlooks a lot of the material that I do. Yeah. And also, this is where I'm talking about with the Giselle Mishmash. So I do have somebody to proofread what I have and give me suggestions on how mm-hmm. to make sure that it's good. And then, yeah. uh, and then also Julie Patterson, Porter, and she is a, another good friend of mine. These two women, they're amazing. They want to be on the journey with me. They um, you know, they they have a strong passion for kids' uh, entertainment like mm-hmm. I do, edutainment, I should say. Anyway, and so then Julie Patterson Porter, she also directs a lot of my segments as well. So I do have somewhat a bit of a team when it comes down to it. Am I the one who's putting it all together, producing it, writing it? Yeah. Yeah. but it's great to have a feel a bit of a team there as well with me. Right. Like I can't imagine not having that. Yeah. Um, it does feel like a lot to be doing this with my three children and at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I love it.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about how that all happened. So, so you did the nook and then you did Giselle's back, a big backyard, which you want a Gemini for too, right?
0: The, yeah,
2: the show
1: with yeah. the Gemini, and you were nominated for a bunch as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, a lot of we had a, yeah a lot of nominations, and and we have the one Gemini which is Which, great. which is amazing. Uh, we were also nominated for the Act Awards, which are the YMA Awards, the yeah. Youth Media Alliance Awards. So. Mm-hmm. So we had a lot of nominations, our show. It was very successful, I'd say.
1: Yeah. So you did what, 18 seasons of Giselle's Big Backyard?
2: 18 years. 18 years. Is, yeah. And then it years. aired for 20 years. And it, yes, went on to air for 20 years. So it aired after uh, it stopped production. And it stopped production in 2016. And it continued to air, which fascinates me. Last year, TVO Kids celebrated the 25th anniversary when I think that, wow, our show aired for 20 out of those 25 years. That's pretty mind-blowing and unheard of in Canadian television. Absolutely.
1: 20 years. <laughs> right? 20 yeah. years. Uh, uh, yeah, a, a show was just, yeah, it's just it's, its just about unheard of. So you did 18 years of Giselle's Big Backyard. That's, that's a long run for a show. The show wraps, and then so how did you find yourself doing the Giselle mishmash. Was it something you knew you should do? Or or did you kind of figure, oh, maybe I'll do something completely different. And after a while, you started thinking about it, maybe I should do my own thing? Or what? How did that happen?
2: Honestly, I never, ever thought I'd be doing YouTube. (laughs) I just didn't. Mm -hmm. And when I would see my children watching, I thought there was so much nonsense on YouTube. Now and then they'd watch something educational and, you know, and healthy for the mind. Yeah. But I also thought, wow, there's just so much nonsense. Like the ones, the ones that were healthy for the mind, I found those to be, you know, produced shows like mm-hmm. complete with a production company and those were all great and healthy. Sure. But then, you know, the YouTubers, yeah. which cracks me up as a YouTuber, because I guess mm. that's what I am now. But <laughs> anyway, so um yeah, the YouTubers, I just found that there was so much nonsense on there. Now what happened was after I left CVO Kids when the show stopped production, I was putting my hands in several pots trying to figure out what do I want to do now. Right. And um And then, so I had created a different show, a show that I started pitching to our children's media Mm -hmm. industry. So to broadcasters and production companies. So in that process of me pitching this show, I had pitched it to one production company. It fell through. I pitched it to a second production company. And this is going on over time. This is like a two-year process, okay? So the second production company, when that fell through, My writing agent and I were saying, well, maybe this is something, you know, we should start considering um, production companies for uh, online media. So I thought online and I thought YouTube, which I never watched. Like I said, I only saw my children. They were watching. Right. And so I... Started a look into YouTube. I started researching, well, what kind of preschool shows? Because it was a preschool show that I was pitching to these production companies. So I was online and I was researching what kind of preschool shows are on YouTube. Let me really get into this. So while I was in there, I thought, you know what? I'm going to look myself up. Like, mm-hmm. what? you know, TVO, what about myself? Which is so funny because I never research myself it's such a it was I don't know it's just never really crossed my mind (laughs) I have so I have googled now and then I have but I didn't go into YouTube and look at myself I didn't even know if there was I knew there was some stuff up there because I remember that while I was at TVO they started to put stuff online Mm -hmm. but I didn't know what was on there how much was on there I didn't know what the viewership was like I don't know anyway so I go in and then I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe the views. One video, it was so so funny to me. It was like a compilation video. I was doing the same thing over and over, but like a different letter of the alphabet. Was the letter of the alphabet? Anyway, I was watching this one video and that had, you know, one point one, no, one like yeah, one point one million views. Wow. And so yeah, so I saw that. I remember thinking, oh wow, that's those are a lot of views. I think that's a lot according to my kids, those were a lot of views. And then, yeah, other ones had a huge amount of views as well. Anyway. So it caught my attention that YouTube, you know, that there are people watching and I thought, who's watching this? Who's watching Giselle's big backyard now? Like it's not in production. Mm -hmm. Is this all so new to me because I was just not an online kind of person. So, um, so then from there, at the same time, I was receiving messages from parents on LinkedIn, because I Mm -hmm. was on LinkedIn. And so parents were telling me their kids miss me on TVO. And yo, yo, yeah, it was amazing. And then people were saying that they watch me on YouTube. So this was all happening at the same time. And I was like, watching me on YouTube. And and then I remember the views. And so then I'd go back into YouTube. and, And then I thought, wow there's something here want to see me on there yeah. and so yeah that happened and then and the funny thing too back to the the show that i um had produced and was i had created and pitched to production mm-hmm. companies right at the same time a production company had called me or emailed me and they said you know we want that show mm-hmm. so that right there i have done the pitching a preschool show, the regular broadcast route. And that is with a production company, that show. Yeah. Okay. So there's that, but that's been, you know, since the, since the beginning, it was a long process. It's been like a few years now, right? Pitching shows, then,
1: it's a hard thing to do.
2: Yes. i so, done and it's it's it, it's hard. And yeah, and everybody says very long, extremely long process. So, you know, that was going on at the time. It's still going now. And then when I, you know, all this YouTube was coming at me, I thought, wow, this is awesome. I have this show going to the broadcast room. It's been a long time. And then there's this platform sitting right in front of me and I could get on there and I could make a show. And I don't have to ask anybody permission. I don't need approvals. I can just go for it and do it. And so... That's exactly what happened. It was like this epiphany, and as soon as I made that decision, it was boom. I'm making a YouTube channel. Yeah. You know, I said. And and by the way, my children were saying to me for a couple of years prior, "You should have a YouTube channel." Other people have said it to me. My husband has said it to me. My best friends have said it to me. You should have a YouTube channel. And then, but when it hit, it needed to come for me, I guess, right? And so, yeah. I uh, when I made the decision, I just hit the ground running, and it was like nonstop. I wrote a a list out, this never ending list on what I had to do to have a YouTube channel. And at first I thought, okay, you know what, I'm going to feel this out. You know, maybe this is something in due time, uh, you know, I will come around to, but let me just start putting little things in the place that I am prepared for when this really feels ready to launch it. But ideas were just flowing out of me. And that surprised me too, because I was on TV for 18 years mm-hmm. producing ideas. And then and then I, I don't know, I couldn't believe it. I had ideas. I'm like, oh, I want to do this character. I want to do that. I, you know, and so, uh, it just all felt right. And it, it was just, yes, just such an incredible feeling when you feel like, you know, this epiphany happened and then you feel that this is what you want to do. And you, you know, you're, you're just so passionate about it. And that's where I am. And I feel that way.
1: That's pretty exciting because I I know that when you, and this probably happens to you now, when you work with a team and you've got bosses and you've got people that that, that have to sign off on everything, sometimes you come up with ideas and you're like, I can't present that to the group because I know them and they will poo-poo that or it won't be their thing or whatever. And now you're like, well, I think it's a great idea. Now it just gets to be on air right away. And there's no second yeah. guessing like, oh, well, I know that won't fly with my team or or, or the higher-ups or whatever. You're like, it's my idea. Now I just get to go for it. And uh, yeah. it, it sinks or swims based on what the kids think of it, which is the most important thing, I guess, which is the beauty of doing it. Exactly. Your own channel,
2: right? I go straight to my audience. Yeah. I mean, it's a big challenge in finding your audience on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. Like to to for your channel to grow and really find your audience. But the ones that are watching you know, they, they can decide, right? Do they want to continue to watch? What do the parents think? Like, are they going to still have their children watch? But you're going directly to them. It's just amazing to have that direct access to your audience. I find it incredible. And, uh, you know, with these music videos, I had mentioned them earlier. I come up with an idea for a music video and then I write the lyrics. I have a music library. And so mm-hmm. I write the lyrics, I write the music, and then boom, boom okay, you know, I call up Julie, do you want, do you know, are you available to shoot a music video? Sure. There's, it's funny because I've recorded the songs, you know, at a kitchen table with a broken mic and it's very shoddy, but mm. it gets done. Yeah. And then, you know, Hey, Julie, are you available to go and shoot a music video? Um, you know, at the park or <laughs> and then she's available and then we just get it done. Di- I mean, a, immediate. And she's like me, it's like, she hits the ground running, you know, the first music video that I had produced was just the September. It was about going back to school during COVID and how to be safe at school. Yeah. And so I came up with that idea on a Thursday. I wrote it on Friday morning within a couple of hours. And then on Sunday, we were up at the break of dawn and we shot it for about six hours on Sunday. And then it got edited. It was about maybe, I don't know, like a. Week later, yeah, and then it aired. I mean, it was so quick, and this continually happens. I have two other music videos now, and it's just like they're just boom, boom. And in the regular broadcast industry, it just doesn't happen that fast.
1: No, it could take a month to come up with an idea and and to to yes, and and getting to air
2: and approvals, and then you got to book your your you know your team, and then it's just a longer process, right? But of course you know the you know there are things about it that make it it's very YouTube right it's like yeah. there's something very organic about it right mm-hmm. like i'm i'm recording it on a broken mic it's not mixed properly but it works right it happens and it and it works and it's fun and the kids enjoy it and that's the most important part
1: yeah yeah so for 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 people who haven't seen the uh, Giselle Mishmash channel and see what you do Break it down and tell people what it is that the show offers viewers.
0: It
2: offers a nice, safe, comforting, I think there's a little bit of hint to the classic television where it's just a warm, loving world that is funny. There are fun characters that are there to entertain and make you laugh Mm -hmm. while they're educating you on YouTube.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I know what you mean by that. It's kind of, it, it does have a very sort of old school sort of uh, uh, children's entertainment television feel to it that uh, people watching it who are adults would be like, oh, I get that. And the kids get it because yeah. if, if it's fun, it's fun. And,
2: and, yeah. And I wanted that. It was like the reason I called it the Giselle Mishmash is because it's a mishmash of different characters. I watched the Carol Burnett show and just how she plays different characters yeah. and and I like the name of it, the Carol Burnett Show. So I was like, "Oh, the Giselle mishmash, right?" <laughs> so, um, when I was coming up with the music for the the intro music, I had listened to both Zoom and Electric Company. Those were the some, yeah. some of the songs that I liked. We're gonna zoom, a, zoom,
1: a, zoom, zoom, a, zoom. We're
0: gonna zoom, a, zoom, a, zoom,
2: a, a, zoom, 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 zoom. Yeah. A, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I I was looking at those classic shows, and yeah. And their music and playing the characters, that's it. You got it. You yeah. get it,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. So you wanted to incorporate all that stuff in into your show, sort of harken yeah. to the past, but still be a youtube presenter and 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 and, uh, you know,
2: yeah. and uh, yeah, I mean, I was inspired by a lot of things, like even my set, you know, I was inspired by at first it was um. Paddington Bear, the movie, you know, the, the recent movie, I, yeah. don't know, I don't know if you've seen it, but anyway, uh, a few years ago, I, I saw it and I was just amazed. I was just, I thought it was the most loving, warm, comforting, comforting home. And, and I just, I wanted that feel for my show. Yeah. And mind you, Paddington Bear has a lot of, that movie has a lot of very rich, dark colors and a mm-hmm. lot of reds in it. And I felt that I wanted mine to be brighter because I, I thought I would have lighting challenges if mm-hmm. I went very dark. So it's brighter, but I just wanted that warm, comforting feel for kids to you know, feel very welcome. Too. Yeah.
1: And so do you get a lot of direct feedback from kids through the channel?
2: Well, it's interesting with a kid's channel on YouTube because the comments are turned off, right? So the feedback that I get is through social media because now okay, I'm doing yeah, yeah. social media. And I have a website, so I get feedback from there too and that's what keeps me going really <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> is
2: the feedback from kids. it helps you keep you going. I mean, yeah. I love doing this. you know it's just it is a very big challenge because of the viewership like you're I'm not yet monetized on my channel. Yeah. you know that's a journey, and so there are days that I think wow this is this is a lot, right? I mean, thankfully, I have a very supportive husband for me to do this mm-hmm. and um and uh, but it, yeah, it's a challenge. So the kids' feedback, the parents' feedback—that's what really helps to drive me. Those are the rewards I get, right? I just I just take them all in, and yeah, that's the rewards right now, which is so great, right? When you're receiving positive feedback, and uh, it keeps you going.
1: You came up with the concept. You put the show together. It's been on the air for a while now. And now, now the, the, the big thing is, is just growing your audience. And so what have you learned about that? How do you, how do you grow your audience? I, I don't know. These are, you know, so many ways to do it. I don't, I mean, this is the thing with the podcast. I don't know. How do you grow the audience? I just, I just figure I, I just keep doing it. If I'm interested, I think there'll be other people out there who are like likewise interested in in what I'm talking about. And I hope that those people kind of gravitate. How do you, how do you kind of keep this thing moving and grow your audience? I mean, that's the, that's the tough part of this, right?
2: It's that I feel that I do receive feedback from you know, some audience, right? Yep. There are children that are watching. You could see that there's still views. If if some, if some there's an audience that keeps coming back to you, that they keep, you know, people are watching. Mm-hmm. And then also I'm receiving feedback through my website or through social media. There has to be other people out there like them, right? Yes. That's what I feel. I feel so, you know, I'm going to give it my best shot. And, uh, you know, but there was a lot to learn with YouTube. In the beginning, I had launched it so quickly because of, mm-hmm. You know, people pushing me and saying, you know, we're in lockdown. This is the time to launch it. And I didn't fully have a grasp on search engine optimization, which is the, <laughs> uh, the keywords that you put into
1: yeah, SEO. It's boring exactly. and it's, it's not fun you know,
2: right. So yeah, so in the beginning, I just I for a long time, I just never had the time to go there to figure all that out. I had an idea, but I didn't go back through all my notes on everything that I had learned. I watched a lot of YouTube channels to receive all this information. And how do you go about SEO? And yeah, and when I after I launched it, there came a time that I finally have started to slowly chip away at figuring out how to make changes to be more searchable for people. So I'm getting a much better grasp on it, but there's that having the hope that people are watching. So hopefully more people will watch. I am definitely lucky that I've raised now a couple of generations of children haven't been on TVO. So there are parents who are thrilled have their children watched me they yeah. tell me that they're just so happy that their kids can have a you know can experience a bit of what they had in their childhood mm-hmm. for entertainment edutainment
1: and the other thing that helps is that uh, not for nothing i mean you were on tv for uh, 18 years doing your show you were piped into homes all over ontario uh you know the, the beauty of of uh, tbo has always been that that it, you know, pretty much everybody could get it. You could get it. You could get it an, in a remote area in Ontario on a on rabbit ears, right? Yeah. So, so many people watch you. So now that you're doing the Giselle Mishmash, um, also there's you, you know, people have an awareness of who you are, and you've been getting calls to do like news pieces and and stuff like that, and do some press for it. So that's pretty cool. So talk about some of the press that you've you've done for the show, and 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 uh, when you do press, do you see a spike in the numbers?
2: Yeah, that has helped for sure but do I see a spike Uh, I'd say slight Mm -hmm. to be honest with you it's been slight I can't say that it's anything you know really shocking you know what it's so hard a lot of people ask me this you know how's it going how's the show going to tell you the truth I mean I don't really know because I'm so new to it and it's really hard to compare it to anybody because, you know, I just started it. And what I'm told is that this is really a journey of being very patient. You got to stick with it and you have to be consistent and you have to upload your weekly video. Like you have to just stay on the path and don't look back and don't look forward. Just be in it, stay present, do what you have to do. So, my subscribers have gone up with the more videos that I've launched, which is great. So they do go up. Sometimes you lose subscribers too. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I, yeah, I can't tell you. I
1: understand what you're saying. I think it's very similar to the podcast experience and I, and it's slow and steady wins the race is you just, you just gotta, you put your head down and keep producing stuff that you're, you think your audience is going to enjoy and yeah. uh, and if you're right about it, they will and they will respond and they will grow yeah. and the, the audience will grow and they'll tell friends. And then, uh, you know, that's kind of how it works. I remember seeing an interview not long with Joe Rogan, who's got probably one of the most watched or listened to podcasts in the world right now. And he says he doesn't look at numbers at all. He was talking to Miley Cyrus about that and 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 she was talking about so she doesn't really follow or 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 look herself up in the internet to see you know what critique she's getting and stuff she just does it and he was saying he does the same thing he he doesn't care about any of that. he's just like, I just keep doing the thing I want to do and I just keep moving forward and I feel like I organically get the audience or whatever and it grows but he goes I just I, I don't find it helpful to be like looking into it and especially too like for those those people you know it's different to be you know a Miley Cyrus and a Joe Rogan and stuff is you get adults who really are critical of you and and stuff I, th- I don't think you know you, you're not going to get adults and stuff being critical with you on social media you've got a different sort of thing going but it's true I, it, you just got to keep on your game
2: yeah and you know even when I was at TVO I really feel like what you're saying i i you know i that's why I never looked at myself up on youtube, right yep. I googled now and then you know I don't remember why there was always a reason i i, I think there was a reason I was looking myself up you know some, uh, but anyway um like i look at uh, you know i i was told to, i was told to go on i m d b and put all of your information on in i m d b and then so I was struggling with that because people had already put information and some of it was wrong and I wanted to correct it some of the years and the dates and so it was a big mess so then I was googling you know trying to find out information about myself but it's not often that I would look myself up because I yeah I just was in the path I was in it I was doing what I was loving and now with the YouTube channel I do look now and then Mm -hmm. it's just that it's not daily I'm just like you know what I'm doing what I'm doing I'm just gonna keep going with it and then seeing what happens, right? Like what you're saying, like you just, like Joe Rogan said, you just keep doing it if you love it. And what's really cool from doing this channel, one of the really amazing things, things that have happened is that I've had other opportunities come at me. There was, yeah, a few, a bit of media came to want to do some interviews, but also there have been a few other jobs that have come my way. Yeah. Which is very cool. So That goes to show that there are people watching, Mm -hmm. and um, also it's great because it's open doors, and I'm excited to see where things are going to go. Because some sometimes, like there's 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 one opportunity that I have that I'm very interested in. This is something that I'm exploring. It never would have come about if it wasn't for my YouTube channel. So right, so I'm uh, I'm loving that as well. The fact that it's being well received right and it right. feels right to be doing it so yeah you know, just keep going with it
1: the other thing that's interesting about this too is and i don't know if you've experienced this uh yet is that is i find that because you're working on a grassroots level and everybody realizes how difficult it is to you know put yourself out there and create your own product and get it out there to the masses that people are willing to help each other out and i i often get like i've been I've been, I've done, I think, two or three other podcasts now talking to me about my podcast. You know what I mean? awesome. You know, to, to, because people are promoting each other and helping each other out and realize that like, that's kind of, you know, how you get ahead when you work on a project that, that survives at a grassroots level like this, that people kind of help each other out. So that's one thing I've, I've discovered is that you get other people that are like, yeah, let's let's do a chat. Let's help each other. Let's, let's raise our own pro, our, our profiles through this, you know?
2: Yeah. 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 It's, it's so true. It's a whole other beast, isn't it? It's, yeah. I mean, this whole online like podcasts, YouTube, uh, you know, and all these collaborations, right. What you're mm-hmm. talking about. What we're doing right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you're right. We are. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's amazing. All that is just amazing. Artists helping artists. Like how cool is that? Right? Yeah.
1: It's a brave yeah. new world. And, and it's so funny yeah. because people were talking to me about this. I had a buddy years ago, I pitched a couple shows and I had one buddy who's like, why don't you do it on YouTube? Why don't you do it online and whatever. But I, I but coming up in a, in a, in a broadcast TV model back in the day, I was just like, yeah. too, you know, when am I going to do that? Like until I re- until, until other people Turned YouTube into a big thing. Till other visionaries, you know, came along and and became big on YouTube and stuff. I I, I hate to say it, but I was like, I'm, I've, I've always said like I'm a, a late bloomer in a lot of ways, <laughs> you know, uh, and and I didn't see. I didn't see podcasts and, and YouTube in the early days as as what they've become, right? I, I just Neither. kind of stopped and said, that's just not the way to go. You know, it's impossible to monetize. All of a sudden, you know, you see all kinds of people monetizing this, if that's important to you or getting, you know, their profiles raised from yeah. doing it. But I didn't see that in the early days. I, I, I wasn't clicked in like that. I didn't get it. But I had people telling me, well, that show you're pitching, that model of TV is dying. You know, why don't you do it this way? And I was like, yeah, no. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. I don't see any positives I, there. But I, I had, yeah. yeah, I
2: had the exact same thinking as you, and that's why I really never ever thought I would be doing YouTube. I, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And here you yes, are. So. so, what do you want to do with the show? What's what, uh, what's your what are your what's on your wish list? What uh, what are you hoping to uh, to do? Uh,
0: well,
2: one of the big things is that you know you were mentioning about getting monetized. I hope that I could have enough viewers for somehow that can happen because. I, it costs me to make the show. Mm-hmm. So to continue on and on to keep doing it, you need to be, you need to receive an income. Like it yeah. does cost. There are costs tied to it. Not everybody realizes that. You could do it in a way, some things for sure that are, you know, that you just get on and, you know, there's no lights or, you know, music and no edits, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know if those people are all you know, being, getting monetized or not. But anyway, my show, the way it's designed, it's, uh, it costs. And so over time, yeah, I really hope that I could get to a point that it is monetized so I just can keep doing it. Right. Like right now it's all good. I can do it and I love doing it. I hope to continue to, yeah, to, to, to produce my show.
1: Yeah. Well, that's a tricky thing too, right? About monetizing something and, and, and being able to pay to produce it and, and hopefully get, you know, some an income from it for all all the work that you put into it. Is it with a kids show? It's not like uh, other YouTube channels where you can just come along and it's all of a sudden you do product placement or whatever. I mean, it gets tricky with kids, <laughs> you know, because they, over the years they've, you know, the broadcasters even, you know, uh, they, they put in places laws to, 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 uh, uh so that, um, so that, uh, uh TV shows weren't, weren't you know, constantly um, blasting kids with with products that they sh- should go bug their parents about and stuff. You, you, right. It's not quite like doing a show for an adults where you can where you can do product placement for all kinds of uh, products right. and and sometimes really useless and lame products. You know. Right. You can't really do that with kids. You're entrusted to to take it seriously and to work with the kids and and not use them as a, a, a marketing opportunity. So it's trickier yeah. when you're doing a show like yours, right?
2: It's funny, I haven't thought about it like that really. Um, But you know, I don't do product placements, I wouldn't say do that. You know, I have to use products for my show, Um, but how they're used is so they're always in an educational way. So I often say this, you know, I have you know, I have, I have blue paint, you know, use whatever color that you like, you know, if you, you know, it doesn't matter if somebody has one tube of paint I say, you know, use crayons, like, you know, so I try not to, I'm not selling the paint product, but I'm trying to say, you know, I'm trying to be open about it. And I try to encourage arts and crafts where people actually have the stuff in their home or Mm -hmm. that it's accessible. You know, I try to, um, But yeah, I'm not out there to go and sell the product. I'm selling the creativity and the craft, you know? Right.
1: Yes. It's not like the old days where you can be like, hey, I'm enjoying this amazing breakfast. By the way, I'm eating sugar crisps by post.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Why
1: don't you talk to your mom and dad about picking up some sugar crisps?
2: Right. (laughs) Right, right.
1: So now you're working on uh, the Giselle Mishmash. You did the other show for 18 years. Um, this is a conversation I had with Joe Motiki about, about being visible, especially on TVO and, and a place where, you know, it gets beamed in everybody's home. Um, have you had a lot of experiences, weird experiences, or fun experiences where you've been out? Uh, with your husband or your kids or on your own or whatever, run into people, watch a show and had kind of uh, odd uh, reactions with, with, with people or, or what, what's that like being out in the public and running into people who watch the show?
2: You know, there's been so many funny situations, like somebody just recently reminded me the other day about how once a dad was so excited to meet me that he put his baby in my arms and he said, I just want to go get my camera for my wife. And so he took off and the baby's I'm just holding this baby. This is pre-kids for me. This is quite a while ago, years ago. And he left me with his child. He took off. It was so <laughs> funny. And my friend and I were just stunned totally, that I was told totally this baby. <laughs> Where'd this guy go? And then um more recently, I was shooting for the Giselle Mishmash, my YouTube channel. And then I was dressed as my character Grub, who is a prehistoric human character. Yeah. And uh so I have you know a blackened tooth and I've got a dirt all over my face and you anyway,
1: cloth outfit too.
2: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I was going to go and shoot with Julie, who, as I had mentioned, she's she directs now and then um, the show. And so we were going to go and shoot this outdoors somewhere. And then I realized when I was driving to her place that oh no, I had forgotten some of the props. I totally forgot I needed some props. So I stopped at the dollar store. Um, you know, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I just have to stop at the dollar store. But then when I was got there, I'm like, oh, I'm dressed as grub. My tooth is blackened out. I'm jerking <laughs> my face. I, uh, my eyebrows are colored big and bushy. I yeah. mean, this character ain't pretty. <laughs> okay. And so <laughs> I thought, okay. I have my mask. It's COVID Mm. time. I have my mask. I put on my mask. Now you're just
1: a caveman with a mask.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I have, yeah, you're right. I have my jacket on. Anyway, so I put my jacket on. I have the mask on. So I cover, I have bangs. So my bangs are covering up my bushy eyebrows. And I go for it. I go inside. And then I get to the cash. And I asked a question about something I was paying for. And I had my head down. I wasn't looking at the woman. And then, so I asked a question. And she said, are you Giselle from Giselle's big backyard? (laughs) Couldn't believe it. She recognized me because of my voice, Dean (laughs) (laughs) voice. (laughs) Um, while I was dressed like this, I, you know, I was covered up. I had a hood on my mask, the bangs, and she still recognized my voice. It was so funny. (laughs) Yeah,
1: there you go. That's part of your brand. One of the things, uh, that, uh, you probably have experienced yourself is something that uh, came up when I was talking to Joe Motiki about his experience over the years working on uh, TVO Kids Crawl Space and other shows that he's hosted, but particularly working on TBO Kids because once again, a show that got beamed in everybody's living room in Ontario. And uh, the, he was telling me, you know, we talked about what it's like to run into people today who talk about, oh, I, I grew up on your show you know, or I watched your show when I was five or, you know, and now I'm a parent or, uh you, you know, you've worked in the business long enough to, to experience that as well. Uh Do you have any stories about, you know, sort of running into folks who had that kind of a scenario?
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that. And especially now that I'm on social media, I receive a lot of that, Um, which is, yeah, it's kind of fascinating. Yeah. So that, Does happen often, especially now that I'm social on social media. I on my Instagram, I'm amazed to how many kids or well they're they're adults now mm. a lot of them are young adults i would say you know like, i mean there's so many different ages because i was doing this show i for 20 years so sometimes it's an a- adult it's a grandparent who used to watch back in the day a teacher it's it's new kids like little children of course there's so many different ages um but and sometimes you think you know like if it's like a a young you know 20 something year old guy and you know you it's it's funny you you know on instagram i see like i see their instagrams and sometimes you know they're just so i don't even know how to say it cool i guess <laughs> cool and then they'll send me a message and it's the sweetest most warmest message and they you know they share with me on how much it meant to them to watch me on tv to be with me back in the day when they mm-hmm. were kids. And it's so funny, like sometimes they can have a tough exterior and they're teddy bears. You know, yeah. everybody has that, that it, it gives them that nostalgic feeling when you're a child, a children's entertainer. So it's really sweet. You get so much positivity in that. And then also, you know, a while ago, I was shooting for the Giselle Mishmash and I was shooting at uh, somebody's house outside of their house with their, their book box, you know, one of those library boxes. Yeah, segment called alpha book box yeah, and anyway so yeah so i had i had uh, asked this person who owns this home and this book box you know if i can shoot there so i was shooting there with julie and then this uh woman who was doing some gardening work at this house uh she came outside she was Beside herself in tears, she was way taller than me, like six feet or
0: something, yeah.
2: Eight years. tears. Uh, she told me she was 25 years old, and she was just, you know, so excited to meet me. But she had tears coming down her face. It was just so beautiful, you know? So there's so much, being a children's entertainment entertainer, you receive so much um, warmth and positivity yeah. and respect. It's
1: amazing. Yeah, I don't doubt that for a minute. I mean, uh, you know, I had um, the experience of having done some breaks on on the crawlspace back in the day. And um, and uh, we would do a funny little bit. And then, a, and then a week later, you know, we'd be opening the mail. And like a couple of times I wrote some bits for TVO Kids, the crawlspace, and then appeared as a character. And then we'd get the mail. And every once in a while, somebody would draw, like, it looked like a frame. sketch with all the characters and they drew me and they drew Joe and they drew Patty and they drew the whole scenario and put bubbles and what we were saying. And you're like, wow, these kids really, they're really, they're really zoned in and they're really paying attention and to, you know, to, to, and this is in it, this is back in like in 98. Right. And so, you know, I
2: remember when you were on there, people
1: aren't watching it on a, a loop or watching it over and over on YouTube. They watch it once. Yes. And then they remember everything and then just photographic memory they recreate what we just did mail it in and you get it and you're like wow that's when you realize that you're you're connecting yes you know
2: and as, and and especially that there's something to be said about like Take out a piece of paper, go and get your crayons, you know, and drawing the picture and then finding an envelope and asking your parent to help you write the address and then getting the stamp and then going to the mail. I mean, to the mailbox. So that's huge, right?
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. That's that's a lot more investment than a comment on a YouTube
0: yes, page, right? right?
1: I mean, that's your that, you know your audience is full in. And then when you see that you're getting hundreds of pieces like that a week from kids or thousands or whatever that they're sending in their artwork and stuff, it's pretty amazing. You know yeah. that you've made your mark and that you've, that yeah. you've
2: resonated. I, yeah, with the Giselle Mishmash, I, I actually ask for drawings to be sent in to the website by taking yep. a picture of it. And then, right. And then I print out the picture and then I present it on the show. So it's a different way of doing it. But when I do receive a drawing, even that step that a child has asked their parent, and the parent took the time to go and take the picture and go on the website and upload it yep. feels so rewarding. It's, somebody's taken the time to do this, right?
0: Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, for sure.
1: I, that, that, yeah, and that's the thing, right? I mean, and, and you're sort of you're continuing on in that tradition, but that just you see that and 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 you realize how much you've meant for kids, right? When you look back, do you do you get a sense of, or do you do you not like to I, think that funny. way, or?
0: Uh,
2: no, I mean, I do from I hear the feedback, but to this day, it's weird. It's like it's surreal. Like it feels some of the things that people say to me are so loving and so just filled with kindness that you, you feel like um, it it feels like they're speaking about somebody else. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny, you know, like, I get what you're saying. Yeah. So I, I, I do, I hear it. And then um, yeah, at the same time, it's, it's almost, it's almost too good to be true or, but yeah I don't know well yeah. i
1: you know it's i I have a warm spot for a lot of the stuff that I grew up watching. you know I could still get a bit of a tear in my eye when I think of watching episodes of this of Sesame Street like the I don't know if you remember this the episode where Big Bird finally comes to their realization that Mr Hooper has died or these yeah. you know these big moments in kids t v were you know, yeah. kids TV, uh, you know, kids TV shows are left to explain what's happened, some kind of crazy thing that happened in the world or um, whatever. And, and, you, and you think of, wow, that was such a big moment that, that I was able to digest as a kid or whatever. Like just all those, all those things that you watch as a kid that really hit you and stick with
2: yeah.
0: you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you've like-
1: got a fan base that, that has that experience with you?
2: Oh yeah. Believe me, there are so many times that I have to hold back tears, you know, it makes me emotional now. (laughs) Like for the people, for what people have said to me, it's amazing. Like um, sometimes it's on social media now and uh, I, yeah, I, I, you know, sometimes I'll read them to my husband and I'll be in totally emotional about it because I just can't believe that I'd have such a big impact Mm -hmm. on on some kids' lives, right? Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, and there's also people who reach out to me and they tell me, they send me a private mm-hmm. message and they tell me about some of the hard times they went through as a child and yeah. I can't even tell you how that makes me feel when they'll say, you know, but you were there for moments and yeah. gave me joy and it's such an yeah, it's such a, it's got so many layers this job yeah know? yeah like,
1: yeah for sure it's not
2: a job it's like it's, it doesn't feel like a job this whole thing it's my passion right it's like when you love something so much and then and then you feel that you have impact it's, it's the best feeling and you know we used to do meet and greets when i was on tvo kids mm-hmm. and sometimes a parent would come up to me with their child and they would say and th- this is so many times this has happened where they say that when we just moved to Canada, we were all learning to speak English with you. You right. had such a huge, you know, you were a huge part of our lives, you, you, you know, and they give you all of this. I mean, the biggest compliments, right, that you were part of their family. You, You know, you've helped them to to uh when you know welcome them to Canada you know and, yeah. and um, help them to learn their to learn to speak English I mean there are moments like those when somebody's telling you that that I mean sometimes I couldn't speak right? yeah. because I just took it all in and I just also beautiful
1: that's a great way to end this chat. you got to share your experiences with the world uh, and uh, kids grew up uh knowing who you are and and uh watching the stories that you presented and, and, and getting some, some education from it as well. And, uh, and that, the, the families and kids got a lot from that experience. And now you get to keep doing that more so on your own terms, more even putting more of your genuine self into it because at the end of the day, there's, there's less of a filter, right? It's just like whatever you come up with can go to air. If you feel that it's good quality, you know, a, a good quality presentation. That's right. So you get to continue to do that and the monetization, whatever that, that's going to happen because you've got a built in audience and people will find you. And as long as you keep doing what you do and putting your heart out there, uh, people, people need that more than ever. Right.
2: Yeah. Thanks, you know? Dave. <laughs> like the way
1: you <laughs> Yeah. Continued success with uh, with the show, with the YouTube Thank channel, you. the Giselle Mishmash. And yeah. uh, it was so good talking to you uh, and reconnecting too, because because for a long time we hadn't uh, seen each other around. We were on different paths and you weren't on social media that much in, in the day. So we hadn't seen each other until actually we ran into each other at the ACTRA Awards with our friend Joe.
0: Uh, yeah. and, uh,
1: and we kind of reconnected and, and we've been chatting a lot more since then. So it's been great.
2: Well, hopefully I'll see you again when you come down to Toronto, um, on one of your trips, right? Yeah. Well,
1: <laughs> we're looking forward to being back in the spring where we'll be living there for the summer if, uh, if, uh, if things continue and we can kind of get back to sort of what we were, we were at before, but we'll see, you know, this is all yeah. a journey too. And, uh, you got to kind of roll with the punches, but you yeah. and I are doing the show because of, we decided that we were going to we're you know kind of uh, there, there was a captive audience because of this right so you know it is what it is you know these things happen yep. <laughs> for a reason
2: <laughs> yeah it does yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> all right well thanks again giselle i really uh, really enjoyed chatting with you and uh, all the best
2: yeah thank you same to you
1: <laughs> bye
2: okay good chatting bye
1: there you have it my conversation with a very lovely and talented giselle corinthios A big thank you to Giselle for sharing her cool story. Also, thanks again to my friend, Mr. Jerry Stamp, who wrote and performed the Cool Story theme song and all other jingles and stings that appear on the show. Do yourselves a favor and look for Jerry's music wherever you stream. And finally, thank you for listening. Until next time, Pura Vida.
0: Everybody's had some few close calls, everybody's got a story, what's yours?